America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush. Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. And welcome to your Wednesday here on WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. This is James Golden. Mr. Snurdly with you here for our afternoon rush hour. If you'd like to be part of today's program, the regular number today, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And we have a very busy lineup in store for you this afternoon. You'll want to stick around for the whole program and keep it right here on WABC because after this show, Catch It Night comes up well. So, today, in a matter of moments, probably the most popular governor in the United States of America today, Ron DeSantis, will join us. And also, this hour, Congresswoman and a member of the leadership in the House, Congresswoman Stefanik will join us. At least Stefanik will join us. Now, at least Stefanik has been under attack ever since the shooting in Buffalo, New York. And she's been under attack, and I don't quite understand the reasons why, except that she's effective. The things that are being said about her from the left, including, and perhaps this explains it, Liz Cheney's remarks that the uh, leadership in the Republican Party supposedly supports white nationalism, white supremacy, all this stuff. I don't understand, of course, well, I do understand Liz Cheney is very bitter person right now. And I don't take her remarks seriously at all. She has been devoutly, as all of you know, anti-Trump. And her being removed from leadership, of course, after she joined with the other Democrats in this hoax of a committee, this January 6th political committee, um, she has been just rabid about Republicans. So that may be where all that stems from. But we will we will talk with Congresswoman Stefanik about that. We will also, of course, talk with the governor of Florida about many things. If you happen to live in the sixth borough of New York, that would be Palm Beach County, Florida, you're more than welcome to join us today on the phones or otherwise. Let us turn to some matters in the news. The Supreme Court justices, yet we got an inkling of this story yesterday, but there were no specifics. Yesterday, we understood that the 
Department of Homeland Security had warned that we may be in, in for some violence. About what? Don't know, from who? Don't know. Didn't know. Well, today we know. The Department of Homeland Security is warning of an increase in threats of violence, including against Supreme Court justices, the justices themselves, if Roe versus Wade is overturned. On Wednesday, NBC News obtained a DHS memo on threats. If the nation's highest court goes through with overturning Roe versus Wade, the landmark 1973 ruling that guaranteed the right for women to get an abortion nationwide, the memo says some of these threats discuss burning down or storming the U.S. Supreme Court and murdering justices and their clerks, members of Congress, and lawful demonstrators. So we know where this is coming from. This is coming from the left. This is coming from the American left, these people. And, of course, we have seen their violence in action. Their violence in Portland, in in cities like Seattle, in other cities around America following the killing of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. We've seen the left violently in action for years now. And yet the Department of Homeland Security usually, and and this Department of Justice, tells us that the biggest problem, as they did earlier this week, is supposed white supremacist. And I say supposed not because I don't believe that they are in existence, but because in, in relative terms to the population, they are a small group, and they like themselves, and no one else in the world likes these people. They like themselves. But now we have, and this is the first time in my life I've actually read this in print, ladies and gentlemen, we have threats to the United States Supreme Court that suggest that the left would be okay with the murdering of Supreme Court justices and their clerks, not just the justices and their clerks, members of Congress and lawful demonstrators. So if you're demonstrating because you want to protect life, you are now a target of the left according to their threats, and they would like to uh, storm the Supreme Court and commit murder. This is chilling. Of course, yesterday we had elections in this country, and we had a lot of primaries. The one that's being watched the most is is in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, of course, had problems with their elections. There were reports yesterday, I don't see many of them today, that people were being turned away from voting precincts because there were not enough ballots that were printed in some areas. I haven't seen any follow-up to that story today. But, of course, David McCormick and Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, are separated by just two or three-tenths of a percentage of votes. It looks like there may be a recall there before a winner is established. Um, Mehmet Oz was in the lead by, I think, about two to three-tenths of a, two or three-tenths of a point when the totals were 
announced last night. There is still a lot of ballots, absentee ballots, that have to be counted. President Trump did weigh in. He suggested to Dr. Oz that he declare victory now. Otherwise, it could get tough once it is established how many votes his opponent needs to win. Also, yesterday, the Republican Party apparently got rid of one of their problematic youngsters, this kid that was um, in North Carolina, Cawthorn, Madison Cawthorn. Now, President Trump supported him and asked voters to please give him another chance, even though he had, he had really gotten on a lot of people's nerves. Some of the statements he made, you'll remember a few uh, weeks, months back, he suggested that Republicans were having all kind of orgies and other things. Turned out to be a nothing burger. There was no proof of these allegations, not the first time. Then every week it seemed there was another scandal erupting around him. Another one, he was caught with, uh, <clears throat> someone was caught with their hands in someone's pants. There were, he, he and another male were in a car. I don't know whose hands were on whose crotch, I forget. And then he was in dressed up in women's lingerie for some something or another that seemed odd and Every week it was something else, and apparently voters in North Carolina said, look, no, we're done with this. He also had tried to twice bring guns through airport security. He accused them of participating, members of his GOP caucus, of participating in cocaine and sex parties. Well, he's going to have plenty of time to party now. He's gone. There is a person named Miles Taylor. He's a former DHS person, that figures. This is the guy that placed the anonymous New York Times op-ed saying he was part of the resistance from inside the Trump administration. Well, he's quit the Republican Party, and he's making a big deal that he doesn't think the Republican Party can be saved, blah, blah, blah. He's signing up with, with Cheney, and I just have two words, goodbye. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, coming back. When we come back, we expect to have, and if he's running late, we have to understand because he is an elected official, very busy, but we expect to have the most popular governor in the United States, Ron DeSantis, with us, hopefully after this break, or if not at some point during the hour, and also Representative Elise Stefanik today. Coming back, James Golden, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour, right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, 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 Rush. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. Stevie Wonder brings us back. Happy birthday to Stevie Wonder. 72 years old today. One of the most amazing forces in the music scene, not just here in the States, but around the world. From the Intervisions album, Golden Lady. We are so pleased, ladies and gentlemen, to have the most popular governor in the United States of America with us today. This is, before he was governor, you have to know that Ron DeSantis 
was one of the founding members of the House Freedom Caucus. And if you want to know where conservatism is in the House of Representatives, that's where it is. He knows liberals inside out. He knows liberalism inside out. He went to Yale. He also got his law degree in Har- at Harvard. He joined the United States Navy. He served in the Navy as a judge advocate general. What an amazing career. Governor, thank you for being on the program this afternoon. Pleasure to join you. How are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to hear your voice. Yeah, no, well, we're, uh, we're happy to do it. And we've, we've known each other for many, many years. And uh, you've been a good friend. And, we, of course, I appreciated all the work uh, that you did uh, with Rush. And then, then obviously, what you've done uh, even beyond that, both while Rush was still with us and then since he's passed away. So uh, God bless you, my man. Thank you so much, Governor. We are in the third wave of COVID now in the country. There's another, yet another variant out. Already there is talk in New York and other places of, oh, what are we going to do right now? Florida has been a free state. It has been open for business. The citizens of Florida have not been punished for exercising their choice of whether to vaccinate or not vaccinate, as they have in other places. You took so much grief from the mainstream media during this entire, this entire pandemic. And yet, it turns out that your decision not to close down the state was right. Was it tough when you were going through this to make that decision? What, why was your, what led you to make a decision that so many others couldn't make? Well, I think, one, we were just following the, the evidence and the data. And I think a lot of what was happening at the time was hysteria. I think the media was trying to weaponize COVID to defeat Donald Trump. And I also think that they were making it very partisan to try to attack Republican governors. I was the number one target, but they were attacking other Republican governors as well. And if you look now, for example, having kids in school, that was like one of the things the media got so upset about. They were attacking me. Well, we had kids in school in person five days a week. Now even Harvard University has done a study and they said the states that lock kids out of school, you've seen a exacerbation of the learning gap between rich and poor, black and white. In Florida, uh, there's been no widening of any achievement gap because we had our kids in school. And when you close kids out of school, the people that that hurts the most are a lot of low and, and middle income and working class families. Uh, you also at how we're doing financially. Our budget this year that ends June 30th, our fiscal year, is $101.5 billion. New York state budget's over twice the size of ours, and yet we have better roads, better services, better performing K-12 through schools, no state income tax, lowest per capita tax burden in the country, and our budget surplus is going to end the fiscal year at over $20 billion. That's the most, uh, the largest surplus in the history of the state of Florida. We actually have more people employed in the state of Florida today than we had pre-COVID. And we we're pretty doggone good pre-COVID. And so if you think about the policies that were advocated by people like Fauci and the media and these lockdown governors, uh, they destroyed a lot of people's lives and livelihoods and jobs and businesses and educational opportunities. And the damage of that, uh, I think, is already significant, but it is going to continue to manifest itself over the many years into the future. And so Florida, 
Uh, our, our society is much healthier. People are much happier down here. No, by the way, we've led the country in net in migration since COVID. And so if people had listened to the media, then they'd be fleeing to California and Illinois. Instead, they're fleeing to the state of Florida because it's a free state. The Disney Corporation decided to weigh in on a bill that was intended to give parents more freedom when it comes to teaching, to deciding when their their children should be taught about sexual matters, not just homosexual matters, but all sexuality, including heterosexuality. It was determined by the legislators in the state of Florida that children, especially from kindergarten to grade three, don't need to be taught sexual matters in school. That's something that should happen in the home. Of course, we all know what happened. There was a mischaracterization of the bill. They called it the Don't Say Gay Bill. Disney spoke up. Disney got people in the streets. And it turned into a fiasco for Disney. Their share prices have dropped. Now, when all this was happening, the Disney CEO said he wanted he was going to meet with you. Has he ever followed through on that? Has he ever contacted you to have a meeting about all of this? No, so I spoke with him prior to them getting involved. I told them not to get involved, that it was a huge mistake for them to get involved. How do you say that you are going to have the hill to die on to be Florida's parental rights bill that basically says parents can send their kid to kindergarten without having woke gender ideology shoved down their throats? Uh, as that is something that you're so outraged about, but you don't say a peep about what goes on in China, even though you make a fortune or the Middle East or all these other places. So it just made no sense for them to do it there. They have every right to do it. And so when they came out against it, they demagogued it. They were misrepresenting it. I set the record straight. We had a little tussle. Fine. The problem was uh, about a week later, I actually signed the bill. And then they put out this statement saying that this is like a violation of human rights and that they were going to see that the bill was repealed through the legislature. And uh, I think it's very important for our state that our state is governed by the best interests of the people of Florida, that it's not governed by some Burbank, California-based corporation that has close ties with the CCP. And then when saw the Zoom videos of those very high up people in Disney saying that their goal was to inject sexuality in the programming with the for the very young kids. You know, I'm just thinking to myself, and I've got a five, a four, and a two-year-old, and I'm sensitive about it. My wife's sensitive about it. But I think parents should be able in this country have their kids watch cartoons without worrying about having some agenda shoved down their throats. And so this was a company, they're free to do what they want. But they're not free to force us in Florida to subsidize that. And the fact is, for 50 years, they've gotten massive, massive subsidies from the state of Florida. They've had their own government. They're exempt from applicable laws that all their competitors have to follow. They get massive tax breaks, and they've even been able to rack up municipal debt for their projects. And so um, our view was this is not uh, a relationship that we're comfortable with as a state. They need to no longer have their own government. They need to live under the same laws as everyone else, and they need to pay their fair share of taxes. And so that's what the legislature and I took action to do that. And I think at the end of the day, that was an appropriate response. Governor, your wife is a cancer survivor. You stood by her side after you announced that she had uh, had breast cancer. This week, you funded 
$100 million for cancer research in your state, and you also provided funding for uh, the state's nursing uh, <clears throat> programs. This is all part of that budget surplus that Florida is running? Yeah, and well, I mean, and honestly, the even though we did all this, the surplus still came in higher than projected, but we did, we are doing to address the shortage of nurses. Very high demand right now, a growing state. We're going to end up having shortages unless we really increase the opportunity. So we've done that in a dramatic way. And then we've always done some stuff in Florida, uh, particularly over the last 10 years, to help with cancer research and to help with uh, training people. But with my wife's situation, she wanted to propose big increase. So we actually increased at 60% to get to the $100 million. Uh, We've got uh, two main cancer um, treatment areas that are you know, kind of recognized by the National Cancer Institute stuff. And then we're working to get the University of Florida on. But she's done phenomenal to go through all this. It's not easy. I think one of the things that she's shown uh, other women is it's not something that you ever want to have happen, and it's not necessarily going to be a walk in the park to get through, but you can absolutely beat it. You just got to have faith. Uh, you just got to hang in there. And I, so I think she's ended up being an inspiration for a lot of people throughout not only the state of Florida, but really around the country. She has been, and we are so thankful to God that she has been allowed to survive this disease and to be that inspiration. Uh, Governor, education, charter schools, most people don't know that in Florida there was a civil rights demonstration in the year 2019, the year that you were elected. It was the biggest civil rights demonstration in this country since the 1960s. And it was parents coming out in favor of charter schools because the Democrat Party had threatened with the teachers union to get rid of charter schools. You stood for charter schools proudly and loudly and many parents, including a lot of black and Hispanic, uh, Hispanic parents, came out and voted for you. And they said at the time the reason they voted for you was because you were so outspoken in helping to secure their children's education. What is the state of charter schools right now in Florida? Is this a winning issue for the Republican Party? So we have more school choice than any state in the country. Uh, if you look at what we have in terms of our private scholarship kids that are mostly low-income families, many of them single mothers, but also includes uh, scholarships for kids with special needs who can go to schools uh, that focus on uh, education for people that have unique abilities. So that is uh, getting close to 200,000. So we've probably got about 175,000 kids on those. And then if you look at the charter schools, which which are public schools, but they're not controlled by the teachers unions or the school districts, you know, we're getting close to 400,000 kids uh, in those charter schools. And so that is a, a huge number of people closing in on 600,000 kids that are in some form of school choice program in the state of Florida. And what I think it's done is it's given parents meaningful options to be able to find the best environment for their school. And, and every kid's different and every everything that uh, uh, each family wants to get out of education isn't necessarily the same things. So now, even if you're low income, you have meaningful choices. And so kids are able to get environments where they end up performing better. What it also has done, though, is it's caused our school districts uh, to compete for these students. 
And so they've had to innovate. And the result is when I became governor, Florida was ranked uh, number 16 in the country in K-12 achievement in the Education Week rankings. Now we're ranked number three in the country in K-12 achievement. And so we've seen, yes, the kids in the, in the scholarship programs or in the charter schools, uh, by and large, have done better, which is great. Uh, but our school districts have done better, too. And so we're proud of what we've been able to do uh, leading on that, we're also, as we're supporting education choice, we've probably done more than anyone in the country in putting down the marker that the purpose of our school system is to educate kids, not to indoctrinate kids. And so we've done things like support the Parents' Bill of Rights, curriculum transparency. You mentioned the parents' rights in education that, that Disney was uh, was dishonest about. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, we think that parents in Florida have a right to send their kids uh, to learn the basics, the, the core things that really matter, uh, not to have a political agenda imposed on them. One last question, Governor. Thank you for spending so much time with us. Most people in the Republican Party believe their next president will either be Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. I'm not asking you to, to, to say whether you'd be throw your hat in the ring or anything like that. I'm just a simple question. If, if, the voters of the United States say they want Ron DeSantis as their president. Are you ready to answer the call? Well, I'm ready to answer the call for this November. And I know I know you're a Florida voter. So we have a big election for re-election in the state of Florida. And so that's kind of been uh, kind of been my focus. And so I'd urge all your listeners to help us out at, at rondesantis.com. Uh, but I will say this, uh, you know, all I've done is do my job. And so now I'm known in a lot of these other states, unlike, you know, it's very rare for a governor to be known like this. And so I think, though, it's a lesson for other Republicans, you know, lead, get be on offense, get in front of issues, get things done, and people respond. And so the enthusiasm that we have in the state of Florida is absolutely incredible. And so hopefully you know, we win a big victory this November for reelection. Uh, and I think that'll really be uh, a statement nationally to say the Republican Party does best uh, when you're on offense, when you're when you're winning, when you're not worried about what the media says about you, uh, when you're actually standing for our voters. And that's what we've done from the time I've become a governor until now. And that's what we're going to keep doing. Governor, thank you so much for your time. I'm so proud to call you a friend, but I am so proud of what you represent for the United States of America and what you have done for the American people. Thank you, sir, for joining us. All right. God bless. Take care. Governor Ron DeSantis, everybody. James Golden, a.k.a. Mr. Snurley, with you here on 77 WABC. It's Rush Hour. We're coming back with more right after this. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly on 77 WABC. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now here's Bo Snerdly. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. This. It's Stevie Wonder from the Songs in the Key of Life album. Multiple Grammys from that album. The song, Sir Duke. Stevie Wonder Day here on WABC. Both Nerdly's Rush Hour. 
Happy birthday, Stevie, 72 years old today. It seems like Stevie Wonder has been a part of my life as long as I can remember. American genius. We've got so much other news. Let's get to it. We have WABC's Jacqueline Carl in the studio with us. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you today? Hey, Bo. I'm good. How about you? Good. Thank you. So what's up, Jacqueline? Well, an ex-Minneapolis cop uh, pled guilty in the George Floyd murder today. The official state charge, aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter in the death of George George Floyd. Now, this was part of Wednesday's plea deal. Thomas Lane will have a count of aiding and abetting second-degree unintentional murder dismissed. The state is recommending a three-year federal prison sentence for Lane. Here's Lane just after pulling Floyd over on the day Floyd died on May 25, 2020. Let me see your other hand. Let me see your other hand. Please, both hands. Put your hands up right now. Let me see your other hand. What do we do? Put your hand up there. Put your hand up there. Lane, along with two other officers, have already been convicted on federal counts of violating Floyd's civil rights. Then Amazon, accused of discrimination, a state agency filed an administrative complaint alleging Amazon discriminated against pregnant and disabled workers by denying them reasonable Mm. accommodations, yep, and forcing Mm. them to take unpaid leave. Amazon Mm. didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. Mm. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Kathy Hochul's yeah. on this one. Police now offering $10,000 for information leading to an arrest in the Bronx shooting death of an 11-year-old girl. The 11-year-old caught in the crossfire of a passenger on a motor scooter who was firing at someone else. The shooting happened just before 5 p.m. Monday, and the victim was taken to Lincoln Hospital where she died. Former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio tweets out today he's put together an exploratory committee for New York's 10th Congress. Yeah. What? 10th Congressional District. What? Well, what happened was the state's new political what? maps have opened up a seat in Brooklyn where de Blasio lives. Who, who, who are you talking about? The same Bill de Blasio that was that Bill de Blasio? Bill de Blasio. Wants to run for Congress. Yes. He's not through sticking it to New York already. He wants to do it again. Okay. If you can believe his tweet. And- <laughs> Right. So he's tweeted. It was his official account. For more on these stories and more, go to WABCRadio.com. Jacqueline Carl, thank you so much for the heads up. Bill de Blasio for Congress. Give me a break. (laughs) Thank you, Jacqueline. Okay. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, folks, um, we have Elise Stefana coming up in a few moments. A few other news items you might be interested in. By the way, if you want to comment on anything that we've commented on this show, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. And remember, John Katz comes on Katz at Night after this, Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Ralph Raphael Warnock, who is the, uh, now, by the way, Herschel Walker, is running against him, former NFL great Herschel Walker in Georgia. But uh, Raphael Warnock is meeting, he says, with Joe Biden, and he wants to push student loan forgiveness. They are desperate, folks. They are looking for anything that they think they can glom onto to convince people to come out and vote. Also, today, we got rid of that minister of disinformation, Nina Jankowicz. There is a story that is like pure propaganda in the Amazon Prime Washington Post today. 
how the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. This story portrays Nina Jankowicz as a hero who was under attack from the the evil right wing in our country from the day that DHS wanted her to come in and fight so-called disinformation. And, of course, Republicans, within hours, they, they started calling this the Ministry of Information. And the attacks on Jankowicz started then. And they made fun of the poor woman for singing like Mary Poppins. They made fun of her. And they, they ridiculed her. And now the poor thing has decided that she's had enough. She's resigned. They were going to stop. They announced they were going to stop the program anyway. They gave her a choice whether she wanted to stay on or get out. She said, I've had enough. She put in her resignation. And this is a 10-page printed out, a 10-page summary of what happened in the Washington Post. And if you believe this account, this poor beleaguered woman was just an innocent Oh, she, she, they never even mentioned that she herself had been disseminating disinformation about Trump and Russia, just like many of the rest of them. But, oh, no, she was an expert in disinformation, and the right wing drove her out. Oh, oh, pity, pity, Nina Jankowicz, Miss Mary Poppins of disinformation. There's also a, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, we've been looking forward to speaking with her. Let's take a break. Let's get right back with the representative right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. On 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. Happy 72nd birthday to Stevie Wonder. WABC Talk Radio 77. Stevie brings us back. On the line with us, we are so pleased to have Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, who is also in the leadership. She's chair of the House Republican Conference. Congresswoman, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to have you. Great to be with you, Bo. I'm a big fan. Thank you. I am a huge fan of yours. Let me tell you something. Um, You you came to my attention early on during your first term. One of the things that you did was go out yourself and raise money to recruit candidates and help other expand this party. You brought in so many qualified women and other candidates in this party. It is remarkable the work that you have done. So I just want to thank well, you for that. Oh, thanks, Bo. I'm so proud of our incredible House Republican members of Congress. And this last election cycle, we had the most diverse class ever elected. That included a historic number of women. That included Hispanic Americans, Black Americans who were proud Republican candidates. And what's exciting, Bo, is going into the midterms, we're going to even have a stronger class of candidates for this historic election coming up in November. What do you think our chances are, the Republican Party's chances are, coming up in the midterms? Well, certainly, I always take nothing for granted. Uh, My constituents will tell you that. We run hard on my record of results in my district, and we encourage... 
all candidates and my incumbent colleagues to do that. But the fact of the matter is, is that we are going to see a red wave, I believe, and Democrats know that. They're running for the hills. That's why you see such a high number of Democrat House members retiring. And, you know, news of the day, if you look at the outcomes last night, we saw historic Republican primary turnout across the board. If you look at the state of North Carolina, even the unaffiliated voters, 60 percent for Republicans in terms of casting their ballots, uh, highest turnout ever. So I think we're going to have a great, great uh, opportunity to win back the House, to flip the Senate, to save this country. Because, look, Joe Biden's policies are failing. We are seeing historic inflation, the highest in my lifetime, gas prices that make records every single day with how high they are. We're seeing a border crisis, a national security crisis. You know, the list goes on and on of all these failures. Hey, baby from food government. formula. Who could ever believe that in the United States of America, American parents would have to scrounge, travel for hours to try to find baby formula for their children, while yet in facilities that house illegal immigrants, those facilities are stocked to the brim? Who would believe this is possible? It is It is hard to believe that that is the fact United States of America. That certainly sounds like a third world country. And we know as Americans, it's unacceptable. I was proud to lead the effort speaking out against Joe Biden and the fact that they have mishandled and absolutely tried to brush this crisis under the rug. And you want to know why I care so much about it? Not only because I'm hearing directly from constituents, but I'm a new mom. I am a proud mom of my nine-month-old son, Sam, and he is formula fed. And I started noticing that the shell came more and more bare. Uh, and when there was the announcement in February of the closure of the Sturgis, Michigan plant, I reached out to the FDA, wrote a letter saying, you know, what is the plan for making sure that we have safe access to formula? And also, you know, what is the plan to make sure that we have appropriate supply? We got no response until just last week, though. So think wow. about how incompetent Joe Biden's FDA is. Last week, I was proud to lead the House Republicans blasting this administration for their failure to address this crisis. And it was effective because Joe Biden, the president of the United States, had to scramble, change his schedule that day and get on the phone with the formula manufacturers. They should have done that months ago. Um, and we are working on making sure that uh, we will have a bill that I will be proud to lead to make sure that we're addressing all of the mishandling from the FDA so this never happens again. Thank goodness. I have to ask you about something that I wish I didn't. These obscene, outrageous attacks on your character coming from uh, figures in the mainstream media and a thinly veiled attack on Republican, not thinly veiled attack on Republican leadership, because it was an open attack on leadership from Liz Cheney. But I don't know who, what, who she's referring to when she claims that after this horrific incident, in Buffalo, New York. Now, I was born in Buffalo. I came um, to New York City when I was one, but I have relatives in Buffalo. In fact, I have a relative that used to live four blocks away from this top store. I was most likely, I've been to top stores. I believe I was in that store on more than one occasion. What has happened, happened in that store horrified this entire country. And yet these people on the left, have taken after you. They've taken after Tucker Carlson for supposedly touting some replacement theory. But re Democrats for the last two decades, and I played sound clips of it yesterday, have been talking about, quote unquote, the browning of America. They have been gleefully, gleefully saying that the demographics in the country are changing, that whites are going to be in the minority. And yet 
in the aftermath of this horrific incident, they choose to come and attack you? I didn't understand it. I don't understand it. And I think that these people, of course, they owe you an apology, which you'll never get. But I don't understand the mean-spirited viciousness of these people coming after you with such BS. You- well, Bo, first, first of all, as a, a New Yorker, our, not only everyone in our state, but everyone across America mourns for the act of evil, pure evil that was committed and the horrific loss of life. Um, I certainly have never uh, made a racist comment or had anything to do with the shooting in Buffalo. Uh, And the fact that the mainstream media is trying to connect my support for securing the border and my opposition to allowing illegal immigrants to vote as somehow related to the mass shooting, it is dangerous, it is disgusting, and it is just not true. And the American people can see through it. But what is most outrageous is it's Democrats themselves. It's left-leaning groups, groups affiliated with the Democratic Party. They have been making a case that demographics are destiny, which is why we want mass amnesty. I'm going to quote the Center for American Progress. They put out a paper in 2013, and it says, quote, Supporting real immigration reform that contains a pathway to citizenship for our nation's 11 million undocumented immigrants is the only way to maintain electoral strength in the future. So they're actually saying that one of the reasons they want to pursue mass amnesty is for electoral and political purposes. We've seen this in New York City in the municipal elections, uh, the fact that they're allowing illegal immigrants to vote. There is nothing racist about wanting a secure border. And in fact, uh, people of all backgrounds agree with that position. There's nothing racist about saying that I oppose amnesty. People of all backgrounds, the vast majority of Americans agree with that uh, position. And it's been shameful. But the American people are smart. They can see through it, but it is outrageous and just untrue. You know, Rush used to say that you can tell who the Democrats are frightened of by who they choose to attack. And so I was just say that I firmly believe, uh, at least Stefanik, that they are very frightened of you. They are frightened of your effectiveness. They are frightened of the fact that you know how to connect with average Americans. You speak their language. And you fight on their behalf, and you are not afraid to come out and fight for the American people. And also, I remember back when Donald Trump was under assault, and you stood against this impeachment from the Democrats. They have seen how effective you are. And I believe that is the reason, and a little bit of jealousy from that other party um, that's on the January 6th committee, that now you're in leadership and she isn't. Uh, but but I, I just found this whole thing to be, it, it just makes me want to vomit to see the way that they've come after you. And I'm so happy that you don't seem affected by it, but instead are still standing firm, telling the truth about who these people are, what they've said, and what they represent. It's because they can't win on the issues, Bo. They are smearing and pursuing character assassination let alone how shameful it is that they're politicizing this horrific tragedy at a time mourning and trying to unite the country. They're doing the exact opposite. It's no wonder uh, that they're this level of desperation. They are so far underwater on every issue, including immigration. Joe Biden is negative 25 when it comes to his approval rating on immigration. So they see that their policies are out of touch, so they will do anything, and that includes smearing others. It's very sad in this country. It's a sad state of the mainstream media. But I always say the American 
they're smart, they can see through it. But I will tell you, my constituents, they are outraged at this uh, media assault. They are outraged at these lies. And voters of all political parties are going to be energized to vote this November to save this country from this far left destruction we've seen across the board. Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, thank you so much for joining us. Please come back in the future. Keep us posted as to what you're doing um, and what the party is doing. We are so happy that you are in leadership. We are so happy that you are connecting with the American voters out there and working on their behalf. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'll definitely be back. Thank you much. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. We have time for a few phone calls here on Bo Snurley's Rush Hour let us start off with Paula in New Jersey. Paula, thank you for holding. What is on your mind this afternoon? Thank you. Um, I love your show. Uh, I just wanted thank to you. say that. Thank you. I just wanted to say that I am. Uh, I just want to bring to your attention the possibility that there is a gross misappropriation of formula at the border. Why? Because uh, for uh, infants to be fed. Uh, formula of uh, they usually have to be fed every two hours. That would be that would mean twelve feedings, which would be very unrealistic for anyone at the border to do. You don't see children. Uh, they have to be in cribs. Also, they have to be sleeping. They have to have a stable. Uh, uh, everyday existence, and you don't see these people. You don't see these infants. You don't see them at all. You see walkers. This is the, the this has to be investigated because there is a terrible misappropriation that is possibly taking place. We had Representative Kat McCammick. We had thank you so much, uh, Paula. We had Representative Kat McCammick, who is the person that exposed this. We had her on the program earlier this week. And one of the things that she said is that what is happening now with the baby formula being stockpiled by massive amounts of it in warehouses along the border where illegal immigrants will be held is that they're getting ready for the end of Title 42, which will produce a flood of immigrants into this country uh, more than we have ever seen before in our history. Todd Benzman, Center for Immigration Studies, and I have been doing a podcast on the border, and we've been talking about this for months. It is happening now. It is almost time, my friends. I'm sorry we couldn't get to more calls. We will tomorrow. We will, of course, on Saturday. Keep it here all week. Um, we have, we're have we running out of time very quickly. I just want to mention something, too. Happy birthday, Stevie Wonder again, 72 years old. We're going to be playing some. Uh, we'll celebrate his birthday again on Saturday with a lot of bumper music. Uh, but on Friday's show, we will have... Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire with us as one of our guests. So you Earth, Wind, and Fire fans, spread the word. We'll have Philip Bailey, lead singer, Earth, Wind, and Fire with us on Friday. WABC's Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Make sure that you're here for that. Remember, Catch at Night comes up after this show. You'll want to keep it right here on WABC. This is a good time to remind you you can reach me, James Golden, jamesgolden.com. Or BoSnurdy.com, either one. Questions, comments, whatever. You can reach me on Twitter, at BoSnurdy, S-N-E-R-D-L-E-Y. Keep that WABC app with you, day and night. The best programming in radio right here on WABC. 
May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Oh